Amen. Well, hey, good morning again. I uh, ho- hope you're doing well. And uh, we're, we're in the midst of a series right now called Discipleship Essentials. And in this series, we're learning together how to grow spiritually. Or to put it another way, we're learning how to grow as followers or as disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people identify as Christian, but if you were to ask them, are you a disciple, a lot of people be fuzzy about that. I know I was for many years, but in the New Testament, people really weren't fuzzy about that. Because when when Jesus was around, they would literally and and physically follow him, and they would be seeking to be with him, to become like him, and to grow as his disciples or as his apprentices. And so in this series, we're talking about discipleship essentials. In other words, some essential tools that God has given us to grow as his followers, And the things that we're talking about in this series are things that God can use and actually has used for centuries to change lives. And and he will use them to change your life if you practice them. And so that's really the invitation of the series. Now, the foundation of this series is what we we, we talked about in in the series we finished a couple weeks ago. And where we ended there was really with this idea of surrender. That that really is the foundation for everything we're talking about in this series. But last week as we began uh, this new series, we looked at what we are feeding our, our hearts, our, our souls, our minds, that that actually matters, and that God's given this, these amazing things, our hearts, our souls, our minds, but, but what we feed them, again, it matters. And so often we're cavalier with that. But what we talked about last week is that how we, we really want to go, grow in God, that we need to intentionally feed our hearts and minds by reading the scriptures because it is the word of God and that through that God speaks and brings life to our lives. So last week, uh, the message boiled down to three words, read the Bible. <laughs> this week, I'm making it even simpler. The message this week is pray. <laughs> and so in a word, we're talking about prayer this morning, which is just one of my favorite things in life. Now, we're followers of Jesus, and, and if you look at his life, what you will observe is that he was a person of prayer. And so think of how he began his ministry, 40 days in prayer, how he ended his earthly ministry before going to the cross. He spent a night in prayer. If you look at the pages of scripture, he lived a life uh, of prayer. And, and really through that, he's modeling for us the life that we are to live as well. Now, there, there are different kinds of prayer. And if you were to scan recent books that have been written on prayer, you will find that there are basically two main emphases when it comes to prayer, and one emphasis is, is looking at prayer as a means of growing in our intimacy with God, growing in relationship with Him. Now, uh, on the other hand, a lot of books focus on prayer as a means by which we partner with God by asking Him to bring His kingdom in the circumstances of our lives and in the world around us. And so there are kind of these two emphases, again, in the prayer literature, prayer as relationship and prayer as partnership. Prayer is getting things done. So you might wonder, well, 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 which is it? Like, what is really prayer about? And the answer is, it's both. It's actually a a both and. It's not an either or. A prayer is about relationship with God and at the very same time as an extension of that relationship uh, that involves partnering with him through prayer to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is uh, in heaven. But I, I do want to suggest that really the foundation of prayer is prayer as relationship. So, so think about this. So suppose you have a friend uh, who the only time you ever hear from them, the only time they ever call you or text you is when they need something. 
what, what kind of friendship would that be? Not, not a very good one, right? That wouldn't be so much a friendship. That'd be more like a user relationship. And so the danger is if we don't have prayer as relationship as the foundation of our prayer life, then our prayer life can devolve in sort of just the grocery list. Here you go, God. Here you go, God. And, and so really, so what we're going to be focusing on more today is prayer as relationship that will also kind of touch on prayer as partnership because that is equally important. Okay, uh, so that's a bit about uh, where we're headed. But before we look at the passage we just read, I want to say just a brief word about what prayer is. But actually, first, let me say what it isn't. So it's really important to understand uh, that prayer is not the use of a force. It's not magic. It's not just sending thoughts into the universe somewhere. Um, Really, it's so important to understand Uh, that what prayer is, it is a conversation with a person. Prayer is a conversation with a person. Now, God is a person. In other words, he is a personal being. He has a mind, so he has thoughts. He has a will. He can do things. He has affections, so there are things he likes, things he doesn't like. So he is a personal being, not a force. And so prayer is a conversation with a person. It is not casting a spell. It is not um, magic. It, It is really, it's talking with God. Just Right at the heart of prayer, it is talking uh, with God. It's sort of the language of loving relationship. Now, it's interesting. I came across a quote by John Calvin, who is a famous 16th century uh, reformer. And he's often thought of as a really kind of stuffy, kind of theologian type. But he described prayer as, quote, an intimate conversation with God. That is really right at the heart of what prayer is. So, so with that by way of setup, I, w- I want to walk through this passage we just read from uh, Hebrews chapter 4. And we're looking at verses 14 through 16. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there or you can follow along on the screens. But I want to glean, kind of as we start, to just some theology around prayer. And then we're going to get really practical at the end and talk about how to actually pray. Okay? So important. So important. So, so what, we, what we see here in, in Hebrews 4 is really the invitation of a lifetime. And what that is, is the invitation to come into the presence of God through prayer. So let me read this again. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So the invitation here is for us to approach God's throne of grace through prayer. And really, this is an invitation like none other. God is calling us. Think about this. The creator of the universe is inviting us into his, his presence. Uh, it's just so amazing that he wants to meet with you and with me, that he invites us in. It's so uh, amazing. But you might wonder, well, well when, when should we do that? When and how, you know, how frequently uh, should we do that? Well, in verse 16, it says, let us approach God's throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So, so you might wonder, well, when is our time of need? What, what do you think about that? So, so how, how, think about it like this. How often do you need something from God in order to live well? I mean, sometimes we think, you know, basically I've got it, but you know, when I'm really in a pinch, maybe then I'll pray. 
but most of the time, you know, I've got things under control. Now, now what's ironic is, is that when, when, when things are going well in life, we're like, I'm killing it, like, I'm just nailing it, like, I am so smart, I'm just so good. But then when things are going wrong in life, we're like, God, where are you? It's your fault, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so ironic. But just, that's a side note. But, but, but let me ask, how often do you think you need God? So, for example, if someone makes a, a rude comment or sends kind of a, a, a curt email or maybe there's a problem at work beyond your wisdom or maybe my, my child might incline me to impatience or I might have thoughts that drift toward envy or bitterness or, or maybe I'm, I'm nervous about finances or maybe about a conversation I'm about to have or maybe I'm ungrateful or bored or, or anxious or on the other hand when I might miss an opportunity to really love the person right in front of me, to maybe bless somebody at the coffee shop or at the gym, or I might wonder how not to squander the precious gift of time and life that God has given me, or how to be unhurried or non-anxious, or, or, or how to live. How many moments of your life do you think would go better if you were in close connection with God and being filled with his wisdom and, and love and mercy and, and, and peace? What do you think the answer is? <laughs> Of course, all of them, right? Uh, and so uh, approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And what that is, that is every moment, that is every day, that is all the time. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul said, pray without ceasing. In other words, that we are being invited into not just kind of a one-off, when I'm in a pinch kind of deal, but no, as a, as a prayer as a lifestyle. Prayer is sort of the soundtrack of your life and mine. Not worry, not, not anxiety, not resentment, but actually prayer as the soundtrack of our lives. And, and that really is something that we have to choose, but we can choose, that we can actually choose to enter into a lifestyle of prayer, to seek a, a prayerful life above all else, to grow in our friendship with Jesus, who is also our Savior and our High Priest. Or we can live a life of striving, constantly anxious, regretful about the past, anxious about the future. Uh, the choice really is ours. But the author of Hebrews is saying, choose prayer, that we are being invited to God's throne of grace. Uh, this past week, I had a busy week, lots of meetings lots of tasks, and ironically, because I'm preaching on prayer, I allowed all the stuff coming at me to kind of squeeze my prayer life. No, I pray every day. I pray various times throughout the day, but, but it was just, I, I knew that I wasn't getting the time that I needed really just to really come into God's presence through prayer. So at the end of the week, I finally resolved to get some really quality time with God, some extended time, and, and I just have to tell you, it was so amazing. It was like a night and day difference in my life. I just felt as I, I, I entered into prayer, it's like I felt refreshed. I felt renewed. I felt strengthened. I felt burdens just lifted off of me. I, I felt cleansed of stress. It was just amazing. And so that's what God wants to bring to your life. And that's why it says, approach God's throne of grace. Now again, don't hesitate, but approach, like just like go rushing in to God's throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That is God's heart. And again, every moment, all the time, God wants us to come to him. Now, when we come to him, when we approach him, it says approach God's throne. So let me ask you, who is sitting on God's throne? Not, not a trick question. It's like, who's in Grant's tomb? <laughs> You're in church, kind of a clue. Okay, so who's on God's throne? 
It's God, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. God's on the throne. So what that means is when we come to God in prayer, we don't start by thinking about all our problems. We start by turning our focus to God, his power, that he is on the throne, that he is actually superintending the cosmos. Think about that. Won't that change your perspective? If you actually start the day, focus on that. Uh, now, when I pray, it, but especially when I'm, I'm in a tough spot, I like to recall what the Bible says about God. And I don't know how much of the story of God you know. So just think, think about this. That God is the one who delivered David from Goliath. Like insurmountable odds, God delivered David from Goliath. And he was the one who gave a child to 90-year-old Sarah. That, that he's the one who calmed the storm. That he's the one who parted the Red Sea. He's the one who was able to walk on water. That, that he's the one who, who judges the nations in righteousness. That he was able to harden the heart of Pharaoh, soften the heart of Saul. And he is more than able, the Bible says, to give us more than all we ask and imagine according to the glorious riches that are in Christ Jesus. And so again, prayer is not just the power of positive thinking. It's not just sending thoughts into the universe. We are approaching a throne and there is someone on that throne and that someone is God, and he is seated on high above all the chaos, all the noise, all the stuff that is swirling around us. And at this point, it'd be very appropriate for someone to say, amen, amen, amen right? Because that's good news. That is such good news. We're invited to come before the throne, and it is the God of the universe, the God of love, who loves you and me so much that he sent his son, Jesus, that he is the one who is on that throne. So amazing, so amazing. Now, of course, this image of throne uh, that, that, that's talked about here, that's an image of power and, and, and sovereignty, but, but it goes on to say that this particular throne has a name. And it says that this is the throne of grace. Throne of grace, not the throne of performance, uh, not, the, not even spiritual performance. This is the throne of grace. Don't you love that? Doesn't that encourage you? That encourages me so much because if this is the throne of performance, I am so in trouble. I just am, but this is the throne of grace, and we are all invited to come. And one, one commentator sums it up like this. He says, it is the throne for misfits and mess-ups and the needy and the desperate and the unclean and the sinful and the losers and the failures and the left behind. Now, you might wonder, well, who sits on, on this throne overall who'd want to hang out with a crowd like that? And the answer is our God. That's our God. And what that means for prayer is that when we pray, God wants us to come just as we are. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to be like, do special things. Like in the ancient, uh, in the first century, in the Greco-Roman religion, they felt like they kind of had to perform to kind of appease the gods. This is not the throne of performance. This is the throne of grace. Because of what Jesus has done, we can come with boldness. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. But what, just to kind of apply this, again, what this means is that practically speaking, when we come, God wants us to come to him in prayer just as we are. Richard Foster, you can put the quote up. He says, in prayer, we bring our whole selves before God just as we are, warts and all. The Bible says in Romans 8 that therefore there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So we don't have to hold anything back for fear of offending God, for, for fear of him getting upset. We just bring it all into his presence because he wants the real you, not a pretend. He wants you just to come right into his presence. And so, so I, I had someone ask me recently, if prayer is talking about God, like, well, what do, you, what do you talk to him about? Such a great question. And the answer is you talk to him about your actual life. <laughs> 
you talk to him about your actual life. Again, he doesn't have any interest in pretend. And when I learned that, that was so freeing for me. So what that means practically is that whatever's going on in your life, just invite God into that. So even if you're struggling with sin, guess what? Invite God into that. Say, God, I'm struggling. Even in the, if you're in the midst of sin, invite God in. Ask for his mercy. Ask for his help. Uh, are you excited about something? Invite God in. Tell him about it. Say, God, I'm so excited. Thank you, God. Praise you. Thank you for whatever this was that happened. Uh, are, are you nervous about something? Are you anxious? Invite God in. Tell him about it. Say, God, I'm so anxious about this. God, would you call my heart, God? He actually, the Bible says to cast our anxieties on him, for he cares for us. So he wants us to bring all our stuff to him. Are you angry? Have you ever read the Psalms? Sometimes a psalmist would get upset with God. You can actually even get upset with God in prayer. The Bible says that's okay. Again, the point, you talk to him about your actual life. And I think once that penny drops, you'll find that prayer becomes so much more easy. It's not about having to say some very specific uh, words. It's actually about just talking with God, inviting him in to your actual life. And for me, uh, learning that just changed everything for me. Just changed everything. So we can do that because this throne we come before is the throne of grace. But not only that, it says here that, that we are to come before God's throne of grace with confidence. So, so what this means is uh, not in fear, not in anxiety, uh, not in inadequacy, not in uncertainty of God's heart for us. Rather, we come with confidence. And the reason actually has nothing to do with us, nothing to do with our performance. It has everything to do with Jesus and, and what he did, that, that he is our great high priest, it says, and that when we were, we were separated from God through our, our sin, our, 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 our rebellion, that Jesus came, he became our great high priest, he laid down his life as a sacrifice for the sin of the world so that we could come boldly into the presence of God to receive mercy and grace and help in our time of need. So that's a little theology around prayer, and of course this, this could be like we could just keep unpacking this. But this is a, just a bit of a theology that we are invited to approach God's throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done. And, and, and again, the, the foundation of prayer is really is relationship with God. That is sort of the operating system of prayer. And, and in, in the context that there are different kind of forms of prayer, but again, that is really the, just the foundation. But in this series, I want to get very practical. So that's kind of some theology uh, but I, I want to get very practical because sometimes where people get stuck with prayers, they, they feel like, and for me for years, like I didn't know how to pray. Like, like how do you pray? Talking with God, okay. And so I, I want to give you just some tracks to run on. And if this is helpful for you, awesome. If not, find, find whatever works for you. But I want to share with you a model of prayer that I think is actually very, very, very helpful. And uh, I've often taught uh, something called the ACTS prayer model, A-C-T-S. Uh, that stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's a great. Uh, the only problem with that is it, is it uses the word supplication, and that's where the people haven't used for like a hundred years. And and so like for teaching your kids, that's not the most helpful one. And and so Anzi and I have been talking about different prayer models, but I'm going to share one uh, for with you today that I think is just really helpful. This is from Pete Gregg's uh, new book, and you can put the photo up. And it's called How to Pray. A Simple Guide for Normal People. If you don't know who Pete Gregg is, he was the founder of the 24-7 Prayer Movement. He's involved with the Holy Trinity Brompton, a church we're connected with in London. That's where the Alpha Course came from. He's connected with Alpha. And uh, he presents just kind of a basic model that I think is super helpful, and it's very simple. The acronym is this. You can put the next slide up. It's PRAY. <laughs> P-R-A-Y. And what that stands for is pause, rejoice, 
ask and yield, okay? Very simple. And so I just want to walk us through this in, in case this will be helpful for you. And, and so the first step really is, is pause. When you start out in prayer, it's a great idea to just stop for a moment. Some of us, we, so many of us, at least me, I'll speak for myself, very active, busy life. And so it can be easy to just translate that into your prayer life and just almost like a frenetic, you know, frantic kind of prayer life. God is so helpful just to kind of, you start prayer, it's just to kind of stop, pause. Bible says, be still and know that I am God. God is a friend of stillness. He, it says he speaks in a still, small voice. Uh, one journalist said, I came across this great quote, atheism is the religion of the busy. <laughs> so before you start in prayer, Stop. Put down your wish list and ask God for help. Ask him to help you actually to become aware of his presence. And he wants to help you in that. But he wants you to invite him in. Now, and of course, God is present all the time. That, that the Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But the problem is, is so often we're not present, right? We're not present with ourselves. And, and, and often we're not, especially then, uh, therefore, present with God. And, and so we can be fragmented and scattered. So, so sit, be still, pause. Uh, Psalm 23 says, he makes me lie down in in green pastures. Yet I know for so many of us, again, our lives are hurried uh, and and, and, and sort of uh, filled with just so much activity. In the midst of this, Jesus comes and he says, be still, slow down, pause. Mark chapter 6, verse 31, we read this earlier in the service. And this is the context. This is the midst of a time of a very busy time of ministry. There are all kinds of people coming to Jesus and the disciples. They're wanting ministry and teaching and healing. And they're just surrounded by opportunity and activity. As in the midst of this, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So, so the invitation is to begin your, your time of prayer with a little stillness, and that might be just a minute or two. Maybe that will extend, and that becomes your whole prayer time, and that's okay. This is not about a, a rigid thing. This is, again, this is what, what's going to help you connect with God through prayer. But the, really, the, the idea here is stillness uh, before God, that we would start uh, with stillness. And some people like to do that at the end as well. And so, again, this can look different ways. But the first step is to pause. Now, you might wonder, well, well how do you do that? Well, I think the first thing is, is to find a bodily posture that helps you. And we're all wired differently. Uh, some people like to sit in a comfortable chair. Some people like to walk. They're maybe more kinesthetic. They like to walk around slowly. I, for me, it's very helpful to get down on my knees before God with my head on the ground. It just helps me focus. I can get distracted and, and, and looking around. And so for me, that really helps me connect with God. And so the point is to find a posture that helps you connect uh, with God, and, and if you're running at a fast pace, you kind of tend to carry a lot of stress, and you might want to begin with some deep breaths just to help you kind of relax into God's presence. Uh, often, I like to pray a simple prayer to kind of help me kind of tune my focus on God. Uh, for example, there's a, there's a verse in Scripture that I like to pray, uh, and there's a whole tradition around this. I say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And sometimes I'll repeat that. I'll maybe emphasize different words. There are different, some people just like to say, Jesus, Jesus, or Lord, have mercy. And there are different things you can do like that just to help you kind of focus so you're not just carrying with you all the stuff from your week and so you can turn your attention to God. And, uh, and those are just some... Um, suggestions. Now, what do you do if, if there's some distracting thoughts that come up? And I, I often, you know, I'm kind of, kind of coaching people in prayer. That often comes up. So what do you do if like some just distracting thoughts come up? But what I like to do is if it's something like a task, like, oh yeah, I need to get milk at the store. And it just, it keeps coming up. It's like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna write that down. And then I can just kind of forget about it. Because I know it's right there. I can just download it to the piece of paper. 
Okay, so if it's something like that, you might want to do that. Now, sometimes that might be something you need to talk with God about. The reason it's coming up is because God's like, hey, uh, this is something that's in you that I, I, I want you to invite me into. So sometimes, you know, whatever, it's, maybe it's guilt, maybe it's shame, maybe it's a burden, maybe it's a worry. Just, hey, talk with God about it, and that can be a way of just like, okay, I'm going to release that into God's presence, and now you can focus on him. Okay, so, so that's just a, a, a little troubleshooting, but the first step here is to pause and to really slow down, to be still in his presence. And uh, so, so important. But the next step is rejoice. We're told in the book of Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, you can't always rejoice in your circumstances, right? Because sometimes life hurts so bad. But we can always rejoice in the Lord. Uh, and, and I know that so often we, we just expect God to kind of kind of just kind of uh, airlift us out of our problems, and, and that's what we might call a miracle, and God can do that. And I've seen that happen, but so often what he does is he instead, what he does is he parachutes in and is with us in it. He was, I, there's so many scriptures, like he was with Joseph in jail. He was with, you know, think of, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They saw someone walking around in that fire with them. So often what he does is he comes in and joins us in the midst uh, of the pain, in the midst of the problem, in our life. And actually in Psalm 23, and if you're going to commit one scripture to memory, that's a great one, by the way. But it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me in the valley of the shadow of death, right? You see, it's the presence of God in the midst of our problems. So rejoice in the Lord always, and, and we can't always change our circumstances, but we can change our, our relationship to our circumstances, and really Jesus is the key to that. And, and uh, we're told to bring petitions before God with, with a grateful heart, and there's just something about rejoicing in the Lord, choosing to focus on him, to give him thanks and praise. There's something about that that just can change everything in your heart uh, and, and in your life. And so, so how, how do we do this? How do we rejoice practically? Because you don't have to, and what's key is you don't have to be feeling it. It's actually a decision you make to rejoice in the Lord. So sometimes, often what I like to do, I'll, I'll put on worship music, uh, and I'll just, I'll just worship God. And uh, different times, different seasons, different songs might kind of connect and really help me uh, connect with the Lord in this way. So you might want to put on worship music. You might want to read a psalm. And I like to just kind of pray through the psalms and kind of just use them as a springboard for prayer. Uh, and really make them my own prayers. Uh, you might want to do spontaneous praise and thanksgiving. God, you're so amazing. God, thank you for this cup of coffee in my hand. God, thank you for giving us taste buds that we could actually perceive this. By the way, you didn't have to do that. I mean, think about that. Think of the, 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 the manifold grace of God that he actually gave us the ability to perceive color. I mean, I could, just, I could thank God for all kind of things. It's just there's so many graces he's lavished us with that we just sometimes just take for granted. I'll just share a story on this. Um, we, as I shared last week, we, we, we had a gas leak at our house, so that means uh, the gas company shut off our gas for several days. And one night we're like, we're not going to a hotel. We're going to stay here. And so it was like really cold for Southern California. Now I realize I'm a wuss. I'm a total wimp. And, you know, for someone from Minnesota, they're like, what? Like, you've got to be kidding me. But for Fullerton, it was cold. And immediately, because we didn't have heat, uh, I'm thinking, wow. Like, it just got me thinking about, wow, like, there's, there's so many people on the street right now. And like, here we are, we're in a house, and I'm cold, yet how cold are the people on the street? How cold are the people who are sleeping in their cars tonight? So he said, girls, we've got to pray. And we've got to thank God. We take this for granted that we have a shelter over our head. And so for me, it's just it's the little things inviting God in, which actually they're not little, they're huge, but we can take them for granted in our life. So the invitation is just to invite God in whatever that is. Again, talk to him about your actual life. 
That is the invitation. So we pause, we rejoice, and that can look different ways. But then the next thing uh, is that we ask God. We simply ask God. And this is probably the one that you, you need the least help with. Uh, this is the one that comes most naturally for people. God help, you know, and God help, would you help me with this? And, and, and so we ask for, for ourselves, and we also ask for others. And I think it's really important that we have both of those uh, in there. But we're, we're asking him for things for our own lives. That's called petition. But we're also asking him on behalf of others for God to work in other people's lives. And, and we call that intercession. John chapter 14, verse 14, Jesus said, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And then elsewhere he says that his father is like this good father and he loves to give good gifts to his children. And so we're encouraged to ask him for what we need. So we ask him for what we long to see happen in our own lives. And we also ask him for what we long to see him do in other lives, in, in, in the lives of loved ones, in our, in our cities, in our, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. Uh, now, it's become, at least in my experience, kind of kind of fashionable to say uh, that, that the point of prayer is not to see circumstances change, but for me to change. And, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a half-truth in that, though, because we, we want to change through prayer, right? We want to be molded and formed more and more into the image of Jesus. But I would also say that the Bible is very clear that we also do want to see things change outside of us as well. You know, Jesus taught us to pray that his kingdom would come, his will be done where? Not just in my personal private heart on earth, in this church, in this city, in my neighborhood, in my living room, in my workplace, as it is in heaven. And, and, and they're really just these, these profound scriptures, and maybe we'll look at this sometime the next uh, month or two, but um, which says, ask and you receive, or also says, you do not receive because you do not ask. So what that reveals is that God has created world, the world in such a way that certain things only happen, certain things in the world only happen in response to prayer, as a response to answered prayer. So that's just to give you a vision that it, it, it's a both and uh, with that, but we are called to ask, to bring those requests, bring those concerns to the throne of grace because we have a God of love. I'll just share a story to illustrate. Um, so recently my, my family and I, we went, went out to dinner in downtown Fullerton and it was just one of those nights. There was like no parking anywhere, like anywhere. And so I was just about to slip into like blackest despair. It's like, oh no. <laughs> Like, we will never find parking. We will never find parking. I'm going to be driving around and driving around. My, my daughter, my oldest daughter, who is eight, she said, don't worry, Dad. I think we're going to find a spot soon. I'm thinking, oh, that is so sweet. That is such a, that is such a sweet sentiment. But, dear, look around. There are no parking spots. Of course, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But less than, like, I think it was like a minute later, we saw a car ahead of us pulling out. Amazing, amazing. She said, see? And then she said, (laughs) and then she said, do you know how I knew we were going to find a parking spot? I said, I don't know, honey, how? She says, I prayed. Isn't that so sweet? Now, can can I prove that God was superintending that situation so that car was pulling out at just that time? I I can't prove that, but, but here's what I know is that she's seen God answer prayer in our lives as a family, in her life personally, such as she has this confidence in God. Isn't that amazing? You see, she's actually grown through asking God and seeing God show up. Now, he doesn't always show up. 
in the way we, we might, or the timing we might expect. But isn't that amazing? But here's what I also know is that if you only pray about, sometimes you think, well, you know, God's so busy. You know, there's the Middle East to sort out and there's coronavirus to sort out. And so we can pray about those things, but the little things, he's, he's too busy for that. But if you only pray about the big things, you will only see very, very few miracles in your life. But if you learn to pray about even the tiny things, even the seemingly trivial things like a parking spot, you will live with greater gratitude. You'll be thanking God for the things he does, like providing a simple parking spot in downtown Fullerton. The the food he puts on the table, the the sun that's shining, the roof over your head. And so actually asking is actually part of how we grow in our relationship with God. These things are all connected. So we pause, we rejoice, we ask, and then finally we yield. We yield to God, or if you're teaching this to, to kids, you might just say, yes. Like, yes. Uh, and that's a way of simplifying. But Romans 12, verse 1 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so in this step, what we do is we relinquish, we surrender, we say, you know what, even if you don't answer my prayers, even basically in this step, we relinquish, we surrender. And, and in this step, we're saying, God, you're God, I'm not. I surrender to you. I trust you. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? God, what do you want to say to me today? God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Uh, we yield, we surrender to the Lord. We say, yes. And really the most important thing that can come out of that place of prayer is not the exact words you pray, but actually that through that you draw closer to God and grow in your yieldedness to him. Now, I'm sure, um, actually, Ben, why don't you come back up? We'll bring this to a close. But I'm sure there are probably some of you here today, and, and, and your struggle with prayer is not that you don't know how to pray, you have a history with prayer, but actually your challenge with prayer is that you've prayed about some important things in your life and you haven't seen an answer to prayer and so some of you are, are, are stuck there today, and, and that's like a whole other sermon. We're not going to be able to get into that. But I just want to give you a resource if that's where you are today, because I'm sure there are many people in this room. Uh, Pete Gregg wrote another book uh, called God on Mute. And, and, and this is a guy who seen God answer so many prayers. He'd seen miracles, yet when his wife um, got cancer, it's like prayer seemed to stop working for him. And so for this, is not just a theological book. It's also a deeply personal book. And so if that's kind of the journey you're on, I would encourage you to check that out. And no, I'm not getting commission from Pete Gregg, although I probably should email him and say. <laughs> but, but that's a resource for you if that's where you are today. But really the point of this sermon is that we are invited to come into the presence of God through prayer, not just to kind of do some religious thing, but really to become the kinds of people that we are created to be, which is people who would walk and talk with God throughout our lives, who would live life in relationship and fellowship with him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you were not okay with us being separated from you. That you so long for our relationship, our companionship, our presence with you, that you came, Jesus, you came to live the life we should have lived to die the death we should have died, that we might be reconciled to you. So we thank you, God, that we can come to your throne of grace because of what you did. And so, Lord, we just trust in you today. We trust in you today, God. And Lord, as we come to your table in a moment, I I pray, Lord, that this would be a time when we really just meet with you, God. Give us the grace, Lord, to come into your presence now, just warts and all, just as we are, God. Our lives are open before you. We thank you that you know us and love us right where we are. Something Christians have done since the earliest days of the church 
is to take a moment just to pause and to reflect and to confess their sins before God before coming to the table. And this is just an opportunity so that when we come to this table, we're cleansed of all the shame and the guilt and the regrets we carry. So you can come to this table with joy. So let's take a moment in God's presence together. And you might want to ask him, Lord, is there something specific you'd have me confess to you and ask for your forgiveness? There's also a classic prayer in your bulletin. Just take a moment in God's presence and we'll come to the table.